Happy 4th of July weekend, everyone. For those of you unfortunate enough to be spending a holiday weekend listening to a podcast, I wanted to make sure it was extra packed with information. I decided to focus on quick updates on recent studies looking at different types of treatments for autism. Unfortunately, there's been little going on recently in terms of pharmacological interventions. So I'm going to focus mostly on behavioral interventions. And these are not the strict, typical ABA, discrete trial training interventions that you're used to hearing about. As scientists understand more about the complexity of autism, different technologies are being added to existing therapies. Take, for example, iPads. I'm sure I'm not giving the use of iPad its due in helping people with autism, but I have to say there's not much scientific evidence to support their use. Trust me, that doesn't prevent me from saying that there are quote-unquote good apps out there that quote-unquote help, but I will acknowledge that there isn't scientific evidence. Last month out of Australia, however, a group looked at a specific iPad program called TOBI, or Therapy Outcomes by You. It's not meant to be a standalone intervention. It's meant to supplement whatever kids are getting in the community. And when I say kids, they were little, like toddlers. The two groups were regular community-based interventions with the TOBI and without the TOBI. This Therapy Outcomes by You app is one intervention program that's accessible on touchscreen devices and targets a wide range of developmental abilities. TOBI is not designed to replace individual therapy with clinicians. It targets four major areas of learning. Perception of audio and visual stimuli, like sensory information. It promotes imitation. It promotes receptive and expressive language. And it also helps social skills like gestures and eye contact. The researchers found that despite encouraging parents to be on it for 20 minutes a day, that dropped to like two minutes a day after the first few months. So that's a problem. Even so, while there wasn't a difference between the two groups on autism symptoms, there were differences on developmental skills like motor skills and language comprehension. I'm not sure what the results would have been like if they had used their iPads to play with the Toby app and not watch YouTube videos. I mean, come on, you know what these toddlers are doing. What would the results have been like? Listen, just don't rule out iPads. Another not-so-novel idea, but also one not studied scientifically, is peer network interventions. Kara Hume's lab at University of North Carolina Chapel Hill has lots of experience in this, and I was thrilled that she published a paper recently that looked empirically at the effects of peer network intervention on a number of outcomes. In the peer networks, peers are the same age, and also boys and girls, and they're engaged to develop positive peer relationships in a structured setting, like at lunchtime with someone with autism. Peer networks promote social skill development. They allow people with autism time for observational peer learning and increase social interaction with peers by providing scheduled opportunities for students to interact. But do they help? Carrie Hume's data shows that yes, it does work. It increases social interactions, not just with the peer network group, but with peers not even in the network group. In other words, it generalizes. It also increases social initiations, and maybe just as important, it seems to drastically decrease bullying victimization. Now, that work is very preliminary, but given the promise in other areas and the methodology used, I'd say that peer networks should be used more often in the school setting, at least for kids of average to high intelligence. Also related to different features of autism is training for pragmatic language in people with autism. 
Pragmatic language training includes focusing on features like the ability to introduce communication and be responsive to the communication of others, so actually maintaining a conversation, the use of understanding gestures, facial expressions, body postures, and proximity to, between speakers, interpreting emotional reactions of others and demonstrating appropriate responses, and finally cooperating and negotiating appropriately with communicative partners. These are things that emerge in people without autism with continued communication and attention to social cues, but seem to be absent or impaired in people with autism. However, these deficits are seen primarily in verbal individuals. If a person is nonverbal, pragmatic language ability is probably not the biggest of their problems. So focusing on this may be helpful in treating individuals with autism communicate socially rather than just speak at all. An example of this would be the Jasper model I talked about constantly on this podcast in young children with autism. In review and meta-analysis using pragmatic language interventions, they all seem to help, even a little. Nobody got worse after the training, but some people did much better. The ones that seemed to work the best, though, were the ones that include both the parent and the child. Some interventions just included the parent and some just focused on the child, so it's important to include both. When you hear about these intervention studies that are training a parent, this is why. It helps the outcome of a child. Less exciting and kind of disappointing is a study out of Sweden that looked at multiple sites using a social skills therapy in kids 7 to 12 years of age. This particular flavor of social skills training include individual goal identification, group discussions, social role play, emotional processing training, group activities, and tailored homework assignments aiming to facilitate generalization of skills into everyday life. Elements such as group discussions and role plays were more applied to the adolescents, whereas playful elements were more used in the children's groups. In other words, this was no joke. There was a lot of work involved in these social skills trainings. The good news is, is that both groups, both those getting this particular social skills training and those getting whatever else was available in Sweden at the time, autism symptomatology decreased. This is great. However, there were no differences between the groups, suggesting that the improvements because of social skills training were modest at best. I'm not getting too discouraged at this because this was a 12-week treatment and usually social skills treatments are available for a minimum of 16 weeks or four months. Also, there may be individual characteristics that predicted whether or not someone was a better responder to social skills training or not, and those are being explored. But the main point is that this manualized training that was used at 13 different sites and incorporated real-life variability in how they were administered and delivered wasn't as helpful as they thought it would be. Kind of off-topic but related, I've seen two studies recently that looked at the use of a robot to help with social skills interventions. One out of Korea was not a randomized clinical trial, but it did seem to help with some behavioral issues. They showed no differences between the outcomes when a person delivered the intervention versus the robot. I'm a little wary about replacing people with robots, but this might actually help people in conjunction with real-life person-to-person interactions. Finally, one topic that nobody seems to talk about is family members getting treatments for their issues. Family members say they have higher levels of of stress, anxiety, and we know they have higher rates of anxiety disorders and things like ADHD. Everyone could use a good therapy session, but families with ASD probably need it more, and I say that in a good way. If we could get some evidence that it's helpful, then maybe I would be the first in line to push for insurance coverage for family therapy. A group of highly respected researchers across disciplines in the UK recently conducted a review of what was out there. Unfortunately, 
all the studies out there were crap. There were not enough good studies to make a definite conclusion about family therapy, which is disappointing. We need to know if family therapy is beneficial for enhancing communication, strengthening relationships, augmenting coping, and reducing mental health morbidity for individuals with autism and family members. So I hope there's more research in this area. Thank you again. Talk to you next week.